Sorry if you're on our Twitch. High Mystery. After smoking a quick three blunts, you and your friends travel out of the ghost town just as the ghosts weep that you are not staying. A quick three blunts. <laughs> so six? Yeah, so like 40 minutes? Or... <laughs> you ask the three if they ever saw Bigfoot. They tell you they did, but were bothered by how much he talked. You tell them how shocked you are that he talks. They tell you <laughs> that Bigfoot mentioned how boring you were. Oh, no! Right? You got to add something to the conversation. <laughs> Bigfoot, raw deal, dog. That he was disappointed that you didn't even ask his name, which, by the way, was Norman. Right? Aww. He straight up rubbed his morning wood on you and you didn't even ask. <laughs> Must be time for another episode of High Mystery, the podcast. Yeah. Where we smoke weed. We talk about mysteries. We're on Twitch. That's us. Not the regular time or day. I'm Robert. <laughs> I'm Colin. I'm Tristan. Today, we are going to be smoking weed. We're actually going to be sharing some blunts today. Um, I've got myself a high hemp wrap. It is... Uh, I'm fully stuck on the Bigfoot story. <laughs> <laughs> we cannot move on until things are settled. There's, it's like an onion. There's so many layers going on. Like, these people also met Bigfoot, and they know him too, but they, like, know Bigfoot. They're well, no, really you just cool. have to, like, remember all his past introduction stories, because they all right. up. So, like, the main guy, he left Bigfoot. He met the three stoner guys. Yeah. The three... Us, I'm imagining. We yeah. leave. We hang out with Bigfoot. We meet up right. again, and we're like, yo, yeah, we saw the Bigfoot. You are late. Yeah, no, I got that. Okay. I'm just blown okay. away that, like, <laughs> this dude has this very, like, surface level with Norman, and, yeah, these three guys, us, presumably, like, really know Bigfoot. They're, like, old friends. It's just that we care, you know? We're very, like, inquisitive. We want to <laughs> know. We vibrate at right. the right level I mean, for Bigfoot to know we're chill. You light up a blunt, Bigfoot's going to start talking. Right? That guy didn't smoke with Bigfoot <laughs> once the whole time he was with him. And he was just, like, very much like, oh, Bigfoot, you do things for me. Might have taken places. some hallucinogens, but he doesn't remember a thing. That's why your Bigfoot... A hunting kid should always have a few blunts and stuff. Agreed. <laughs> you, you don't want to show up empty-handed. We all know that Bigfoots, they love gifts. No, I'm serious. It's a yeah, thing. No, Bigfoot sure. hunters go out and they leave, like, little trinkets and stuff. And then the Bigfoot will, like, take the trinkets and leave them trinkets to be like, hey, we've now exchanged. We've made contact. Oh, this well, is you can pick up your official High Mystery Bigfoot gift kit. Yeah. <laughs> licensed by us. I wish we had Bigfoot kids I so mean, we could sell, but... One day. I mean, you've spoken it into existence now, yeah, so true. it's only a matter of what we conceive as yeah. time. We'll just put a high mystery sticker on a first aid kit. <laughs> <laughs> Shove a couple blunts in there. I mean, that's honestly not a bad deal. First aid kit, couple blunts, right? high mystery sticker. You got to put a stick in there so you can, like, knock on the trees, because that's another way to communicate with Bigfoot. You got to knock on the tuning, tree. Tuning rods or Oh, uh, divination rods or whatever there is. <laughs> Anyways, I've got this uh, banana goo uh, high hemp wrap. It is packed with this Black Lotus by 3C Farms. It is 30.38% uh, THC. I like that they did the Black Lotus 
I don't know if that's a real thing, but I know the blue lotus is, and that's actually like an herb, well, a flower that you can smoke. And supposedly um, people have been smoking and drinking blue lotus teas and smoking blue lotus to help them get into a meditative state throughout all of, uh, you know, ancient civilizations. You got like medicine people and uh, shamans and stuff like that all taking monks taking this blue lotus to get into that meditative transcendent open your third eye yeah and i think it also helps with male virility i don't know hey, oh. <laughs> they just thought we're talking <laughs> talk about burying the lead i mean <laughs> who cares about all that cosmic shit <laughs> it'll be enlightened and rock hard <laughs> I mean, if that's the case, Blue Lotus would be probably covering the entire United States. Yeah. <laughs> it's all fi big Pfizer country out here. So we're all just going to smoke Rob's weed. We're, we're, we're going to smoke Rob's weed, right? Yeah, yeah. You want to talk about your guys' weed? Sure. I also have a blunt here. It's in a high-hand prep. It's a Dutch creme. And uh, inside is the Union Electric Mimosa. It's got 29% THC. Mm -hmm. I took this joint of LAPT Cherry OG, which is a hybrid. Uh, it's got 32.5% THC, and uh, I don't know if this is right, but 27.7%. Oh, I see what I did there. <laughs> okay, the THC is 27.7. Total cabin cabanon. Cannabinoids. Cabin boys. Cabin boys, yes. Bring me the cabin boy. The total cabin boy, yes. The total cabin boys. Rob was over here totally disregarding ceremony. The blunts already lit. We didn't do a light that blunt chain. We didn't want to touch tips, nothing. We didn't do any of the tips. I bet we could have. Oh. 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 I see what's happening. <laughs> so today, part I six mystery. Yes, it is part six <laughs> of a seven-part series. So we're very close to the end. Only one left after this. Only one left after. No, this. he's adding ten more just because <laughs> it's going to be the JFK podcast, yes. <laughs> and that's how we like it. Because C.S. Lewis just keeps on commenting. <laughs> if we can get uh, Junior on here, that'd be pretty cool. Uh, he's supposedly dead, but supposedly he's not. Much so dead. Uh, people okay. disagree. People. <laughs> say he's out and about so you know if if you're out and about and you want to do a podcast with three guys in california yeah. <laughs> is it wait john f kennedy jr jr no no it's his john son. f kennedy is, is not a junior not he a isn't junior. oh i don't know why i always thought that well because there's a jfk jr who Which is a little boy that saluted the casket as it went oh down. sad picture sad picture it was on his birthday too oh, oh rough nice. stuff Bruce. rough stuff uh in parts one, two, three, four, and five, <laughs> we learned about what happened to JFK, what happened to Oswald, who was ultimately tried for the murder, unknown persons in attendance, and the possible identities of those persons. In part six, we will be discussing known persons in attendance to the assassination, as well as witness tampering, intimidation, and death. Oh. So these are all things that happened after. After the fact. Okay. Like 20 years after the fact? 
uh, varying degrees of time after the fact. Okay. <laughs> so we begin with a lighthearted look <laughs> into witness tampering and intimidation. It's assassination. Let's have some fun, kids. <laughs> Richard Beyer wrote about how the Warren Commission either ignored or intimidated witnesses that presented scenarios that didn't fit with Oswald being the lone gunman. Yeah, and we already know that their report was bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Bill Sloan, who wrote the autobiography of Gene Hill. Yes, Gene Hill. (laughs) Gene Hill, commonly referred to as the Lady in Red, as seen on the Zapruder film. Okay. He wrote, wrote her biography? Yes. So she was here one day, just as bystander in the crowd, and for that he wrote her biography. I mean... It's because yeah. she decided to wear a red dress, which really made her pop. I mean... <laughs> I mean, I cannot argue that. I'm just surprised that... Being a blip on the sidelines of a moment in history is enough to warrant your biography being written by a novelist. Or it just shows not, you it doesn't take much. It's clearly. Not, <laughs> clearly. It's not that she was just a witness to this monumentous event. Oh. I mean, thousands of people were in attendance. You know, gotcha. So. But uh, he wrote that the Warren Commission assistant counsel, Arlen Specter, attempted to humiliate, discredit, and intimidate Hill into changing her story and that Hill was abused by Secret Service agents, harassed by FBI, and received death threats. Okay. I'm not shocked at all. But I'm also suspect, you know? I mean, if we're going to be suspect of the government, I'm going to be suspect of this guy. Like, why? Of the guy doing the report? Yeah, where does he or get this information? From her. First okay. Time. So yeah. it's all a hearsay. I mean, it's what her. she's telling... This guy, like she, or at least what this guy says that she's telling him. (laughs) I mean, she didn't like the book didn't come out. She was like, "No, I never said none of that." I'm pretty sure she was on the record as saying all of this stuff. Okay, yeah, I don't think she ever came out because I think it came out while she was alive. Also, I feel like that's very typical of like stories that we hear of like Men in Black and stuff. Like they kind of come in and like bulldoze people into like, "Nah, this is what happened." It's y'all. No, it's just a weather balloon, you idiot. Yeah, we've definitely heard stories of the men in black showing up and being like, hey, you're not going to talk about this, or hey, this didn't actually happen to you, or whatever. Yeah. It, they, they exist. They've shown up before. I won't deny that. But uh, I do feel like this could easily be a beginning of the Coen Brothers movie Fargo. This is a true story, <laughs> right. and he was sure. just bullshitting us all. <laughs> well... Sloan this here. you did this to me, by the way. You've made me suspect everything and everyone. All right, this is your fault. <laughs> Let me put those to bed. Okay. Sloan interviewed many eyewitnesses, several of whom have said that the Warren Commission repeatedly cut short or stifled any comment that casted doubt that Oswald was the lone gunman. Jim Mars who wrote the book Crossfire, claimed several witnesses were intimidated by either FBI agents or anonymous individuals into altering or suppressing what they knew regarding the assassination. I was going to say, they don't even have to be real FBI either because we know someone, well, a version of the story is that someone was there handing out fake credentials. Yeah. So these people who have, who are claiming to be FBI couldn't, may not, they may not even be FBI. For right? sure. 
Mars also wrote that the Texas Book Depository employee, Joe Molina, was intimidated by authorities and lost his job soon after the assassination, and that witness Ed Hoffman was warned by an FBI agent that he might get killed if he revealed what he observed in Dealey Plaza on the day of the assassination. Dang. Right? <laughs> you I mean, never hit this plot, Rob. I you did. just held I it did. and then passed it I'm over. Sure I hit you never hit it twice. You're getting in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> now we move on to the more sinister, which are... Okay, wait. Sorry. So, so go on. So just the biography <laughs> of this woman, we didn't really get anything except there's just lots of reports of people being intimidated. That he said that this, this about her, she was intimidated, all this kind of stuff. He also interviewed several other people along Who with else? other people right. interviewed these people, and they all have the same story. They were intimidated. They were bullied. I just want specifics, you know, because I'm left going, okay, you know. I mean, the specifics are <laughs> the people who wrote it. You can, like, look at their... Yeah, I want to hear exactly what was said to intimidate, because that, to me, is, like, the juiciest, funniest bullshit ever. <laughs> like, like, what do you say to somebody to, to tell them to shut up permanently? And I think that there's probably really funny responses in there. It's probably just like, oh, yeah, your family X, Y, and Z, you love them, right? Oh, God. That's that's the really sinister way to mob, look at it. The mob way. But I'm, I'm picturing, for some reason, 1930s gangsters coming around being like, you don't want to say nothing, see? You understand? Talking would be bad for you, see? You know what I mean? All right. All right. That's what I want, anyway. End up with some lead shoes. <laughs> uh... We're going to move on to witness deaths now. Oh, that's it about the intimidation? That's intimidation done. Okay. Done with that. They well, yeah, these people were like, people. I'm intimidated. I'm not going to say anything. I right? will say that I was intimidated, but yeah. I won't tell you what I originally saw well, or yeah, said. That's what I want to know, too. What is her story that they're telling her to suppress? I mean, she might have said, oh, I thought the blast came from the grassy knoll. And they're like, no. But we don't know. Well, I do not have You want to read there. the book, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I at least would like a sentence to know what her side of the story was. You know, I might have covered it in a previous thing. Because sure. we talked about her. She was filming it from another angle. Who and they knows? like took her camera, right? Uh, yeah. The lady in red? <laughs> I Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> this guy. You're I, the, the authority here. Know, You're the expert. I, I might have covered it in a previous episode. <laughs> might have. Say. I don't remember. <laughs> They took a lot of people's film. <laughs> this isn't what the mystery's about. It's about the deaths. Okay. So, allegations of mysterious deaths of witnesses connected with the Kennedy assassination originated in 1967 from journalist Penn Jones Jr., whom was one of the first critics of the Warren Report and was brought to national attention in 1973 with the film Executive Action. Oh. So he maybe. made a film on it. Yeah. And it's all maybe. about... Maybe. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Maybe he made a film, but... He at least wrote one. He No, no. He he wrote about the... He's a journalist, so he wrote about it. Oh, and then somebody film made a film. Made. Okay. Uh, <laughs> maybe he was interviewed for that film. Okay. Jim Mars would later present a list of 103 people he believed had died convenient deaths under suspicious circumstances. 
convenient us. That means they were in a convenience store. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> or it just happened to really work out that day. Yeah, like, things just happened to line up perfectly for them to die that day. <laughs> it's really convenient for everyone involved. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't want to be a bother. And then they're gone. Yeah, they just like fall out of a plane into a grave. Wipe your hands clean of this. Talk about cutting out the middle, man. <laughs> In 2013, actor, comedian, and apparently author Richard Belzer, okay, <laughs> who played Detective John Munch on Law and Order He's and Law and Order SVU. Where's, let me see that tight five. <laughs> <laughs> he's no, a comedian. No offense, I'm sure he's done some comedy stuff. It's no, just, he's a I very famous stand-up. He was a stand-up really? before he was ever an actor, yes. Go figure. I don't know him from anything except for wearing sunglasses in every single scene of his CSI. He's CSI SVU, right? No, he's Law & Order and Law & Order SVU. Oh, okay. I he get is... the SVU part. <laughs> He is one of only three people to ever play the same character on six different primetime TV shows. Oh, I see. That's cool. Wow, all right. The other two being George Wendt and John Ratzenberger of Cheers fame. Oh. So basically, if Armageddon happened and only actors were spared, Belzer would be the world's greatest detective. <laughs> Just because he's had so much like on-the-job I mean, experience. I've read so many things. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's... Yeah. He's never done any actual detective work, mind you. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, he did a ride along where he had to like fingerprint things. Okay, and, yeah, I can see that. <laughs> Anyhow, <laughs> in 2013, the world's greatest detective actor published. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for <laughs> nominating me, the best model slash actor, and not the other way around. Yeah. <laughs> 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 he uh, published an in-depth look into the mysterious deaths of witnesses associated with the JFK assassination, claiming as many as 50 people were murdered as part of a cover-up. Wow. I'd love to see all 50 instances. <laughs> well, if we are to believe the first mysterious death in relation to the assassination is Oswald, the next person would likely be, uh, be John Garrett Underhill Jr. Okay. What a name. John Garrett Underhill Jr., the fourth. <laughs> uh, he worked as a CIA informant at the time of Kennedy's assassination. He was found dead on May 8, 1964, in bed with a bullet wound behind his left ear. And that's it? They well, never got anybody or more information or anything? Well, it's unclear whether or not the gunshot wound was self-inflicted or not. I mean, that's a pretty weird spot. Sorry, right. what were you gonna say, Tristan? I was gonna say, yeah, you should be able to tell if it was like close proximity. You know, was it like right up against the back of his ear? Was it like somehow like sniped from like you know however far away? I guess it was yeah. inconclusive. Yeah. We're also talking probably 1964. 1964, right? Okay. A year after the assassination, less than. So I can see where forensic science might let us down at that point. Yeah, it's also like a year later. So what did he do a year later where they're like, oh, no, he's uh, he's risky now. We uh, need maybe to... he just knows too much, you know? It'd be weird to assassinate him the day after. I guess, <laughs> yeah. Um, 
at the same time, why wait? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're you risk- got the assassins out there. Yeah. But- <laughs> and the longer you wait, the more you risk him staying or something. Or- I mean, he was a CIA informant too, so you know, it might be pretty difficult to assassinate. Plus paperwork. I feel like plus <laughs> <laughs> paperwork. If I was a shitty government organization who like had assassins and stuff, I personally would. Uh, you know, Manchurian candidate, whatever, moth, monarch, monarch project them. Oh, yeah. Any CIA operative or whatever I had, I would brainwash into having a code where whenever I needed them to, like, kill themselves, I would just call them. The code would be said and they would just go and, like, shoot themselves. It's very standard. I mean, like, that's I think of that with so many spies where it's like, the, the guy, the hero's got him, he's clutching their chest, and then all of a sudden they're spitting foam. Yeah. Because they ate, like, a the cyanide, cyanide capsule. Tell, yeah. Or have you been seen where they, like, take out their tooth, mm-hmm. and it's a cyanide capsule? Like, so suicide just sort of comes with the territory, if you will. But this more so that, like, they don't need to trust that the person is dedicated enough to kill themselves. It's more just, like, we say the word and they do it. Right. Yeah. And, and that absolutely could be the case here, that, for all we know. convenient death. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they do it themselves. I just also feel like at that point, yeah, any operative I, I had under my control. Sure. Is this guy close to the assassination? Was he like there that day or? I don't think he was there that day. He's Maybe he was. He was a CIA informant. Maybe he was there that day. Maybe he had something to do with it, but. This is when the threads lose some credibility for yeah. me. You know, like if it's just some guy who worked at the CIA at the time. I mean, there's probably thousands, I mean, thousands of people who are under the CIA banner at the oh, time. Yeah, definitely. Right? Even now. Yeah. I mean, I mean now so many informants. But... Now, I think it's like 300 million. <laughs> All but kidding. us. <laughs> We're the last voice of truth. They have more than one project going on, so they got informants for all kinds of shit. You know, right. whether it be, quote unquote, the war on drug, i.e. their secret uh, money-making scheme mm-hmm. of, like, having all the control of the drugs and the selling of them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, who knows? Uh, I have a feeling... That's a whole nother mystery to tackle. Did the CIA introduce crack to the inner cities? Yeah, just being involved in the CIA is enough. If the whole CIA is in a plot against Kennedy, then it would make sense if he knew something that would kill him. I feel like there's definitely, like... Uh, I mean, a level to that, you know, like at a certain point, you're just a plebeian who's indoctrinated. You just believe whatever you hear from uh, the I just know the soda machines. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just an informant who tells you when Diet Coke is out. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I don't do anything with the CIA or anything, but uh, I make sure the 100 grand bars are fully stocked. <laughs> <laughs> well, now we have Rose Charmy. Okay. Tell me about Rose. Uh, She was investigated by the House Committee on Assassinations. Uh, The committee reported that Louisiana State Police Lieutenant Francis Frug, (laughs) I guess that's how you say it, traveled to Eunice, Louisiana on November 20th, 1963, two days before the assassination, to pick up Rose, who had sustained minor injuries after she had been hit by a car. Oh, oh, okay. So do you think maybe that was, the idea is that would be a first attempt, potentially? 
probably not. But just happenstance. It just happenstance. He happened to be there two days before the assassination. Uh, Francis drove Rose to the hospital. On the way there, she told him that she was coming from Florida to Dallas with two men who were Italians or resembled Italians. Francis asked her what she planned to do in Dallas, and she replied, pick up some money, pick up my baby, and kill Kennedy. Oh. Whoa. You know, it's just like a normal laundry list of to do this. <laughs> She's like, here, I wrote it down on this piece of paper. I can't forget to pick up my baby. <laughs> Why did she have her baby? Well, maybe they were holding her baby. Oh, it's like, like a intense, uh, like, insurance policy mm -hmm. uh, she might have been talking about her baby as in her husband her uh, boyfriend her or it's just like a code word for oh, pick up my baby. baby her baby <laughs> is actually her like rifle her assault rifle uh, like, <laughs> i gotta pick up my baby and then kill kennedy it's really yeah. it's got baby written on the side it's yeah like pacifier and then <laughs> would not use it's like oh don't cry baby <laughs> <laughs> After the assassination, Francis contacted Dallas Police Captain Will Fritz regarding what he had learned from Rose, but Fritz told him he wasn't interested. No, 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 no. I don't want to hear about it either. <laughs> we got Oswald. We're fine. Dr. Victor Weiss told investigators that on November 25th, three days after the assassination, that one of his physicians had told him that Rose stated before the assassination that Kennedy was going to be killed. She had also let on that she worked for Jack Ruby, whom you remember. Oh Shot yeah, Oswald. we know him. Uh, Rose would eventually be found dead by a highway near Big Sandy, Texas on September 4th, 1965, having been run over by a car. Again? Wow, Man, right? She's a magnet for cars. Apparently, jeez. So Frances Ferg doesn't uh, arrest her at this point. Why does she have a mugshot? Or do we know? She, I do not know. I probably worked for Jack Ruby, so. Right, knows. that's what I'm thinking. But, I mean, she also said that she was going to kill Kennedy. So that no, no, def definitely. I'm with yeah. you there. But it's, who knows. Yeah. <laughs> All I'm saying is she has an established sketchy past. Right. Yeah. Because what's that mugshot about? Uh, that's all we have on Rose. Oh, really? She's not, she doesn't have CIA ties. It's just a Jack Ruby. She, it is interesting that ties to the person who killed. Oh, definitely. And she's Louisiana, you know, so <clears throat> she's got that whole Louisiana tie. tie yeah. Because they were going to like start the ice skating rink or whatever. Yeah, and was <laughs> just heading to Dallas just to do that. I mean, it's coming together. Uh, next death, and possibly the most researched, is that of journalist and TV game show panelist Dorothy Kilgarren. Whoa, wait, what? They were just Kilgarren. like on a game show at one point? She just happened to be a game show panelist huh. at one time. At one point in her career? What show? <laughs> Price is Right? Or... Uh, I don't know. I think maybe Bet Your Luck or something like that. What would you do? <laughs> Bachelor number three. Can you tell me how you would kill Kennedy? <laughs> she does look very much like she's on dating game. <laughs> Bachelor number three. Can you identify this rifle? <laughs> she interviewed Jack Ruby during a recess in his murder trial 
and may have learned sensitive information on her trip to New Orleans several weeks before her untimely death on November 8, 1965. Okay, hold on. Press pause. She interviewed Jack... Ruby. Ruby, after he... After he killed Oswald. It was during a recess in his murder trial. So potentially this is somebody who's wholesome and innocent... She's and, just a journalist. And simply has just gotten information. She's like the person who witnesses the mob killing somebody and yeah. just gets the target put on or her. Or so, she's just so good at her job that he, like, confesses to doing right. some shit. He's like, yeah, I, CIA paid me. To, oh, shit, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> she's like, I knew I'd ask the right questions. Right? Yes. <laughs> His dimples always get the truth. <laughs> and she winks in the camera. <laughs> That's how you catch a murderer. <laughs> Her official cause of death was by a fatal combination of barbiturates and alcohol. Huh? So what you're saying to me now is that this could have been accidental. Could have. Mm. All deaths could have been accidental. Well, yeah, of course. But I mean, there's less of an accident when a bullet goes through somebody. Somebody typically. tripped while they were walking with their gun. They're like, <laughs> that bullet probably didn't kill anybody. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying it doesn't happen. Right, I was gonna say, you say that as a joke, but I, I'm pretty sure I saw a person who was training on gun safety shoot themselves in the leg. So. Oh, yeah, no, I've definitely seen a lot of that oh, yeah. kind of stuff, so. It's <laughs> terrible. Yeah. Uh, the last words she wrote of her investigation were published just a few weeks before her death saying that the story isn't going to die as long as there's a real reporter alive, and uh, there are a lot of them alive. Uh, yeah. Eva, you will not be. <laughs> Barbiturates and alcohol. Official cause of death was that. What are those? Downers? Yeah, I guess so. I know alcohol is a downer, and then a barbiturate probably double downer. Was that like a heroin? A double heroin? Da barbiturate? Downer? Barbiturate? I don't know. I don't know. Um, That's out of my uh, I thought it was like are any class of sedative and sleep-inducing drugs derived from barbituric acid. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So it's you learn something new every day, guys. It's a downer. It's a sleepy drug for sure. And I feel like that's definitely something that could be slipped into a drink and you wouldn't notice, and the combination would be deadly. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I mean, I I. I don't know too much about it, but that's how Patton Oswalt's died, uh, wife died, I think so, oh. was just taking one sleeping pill, and it just had a bad reaction with her. Mm. Isn't that similar to Heath Ledger, too? Like, I know he was taking some, like, you know, sleeping and uppers to, like, do the work the crazy schedule or whatever. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure, but I do know that, uh, yeah, it was unclear as well, where it was like, is this an accidental or intentional overdose? Mm. And so it's always hard to tell with something like that. Yeah. But, you know, good lesson is, you know, don't mess with barbiturates. <laughs> Unless your doctor's prescribing you something. Just smoke weed, you Right, know. seriously. You need Do to yourself something. a favor. You need to go harder than that. Maybe try some shrooms. Those are legal in Oakland. You can fly out there, give them a run. <laughs> yeah. Or do, like, uh, what's it called? Salvia. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's minutes. legal everywhere. Yeah, don't you do salvia, maybe. <laughs> if you want to lose all bodily function and whatever else, then yeah, do that. But. Yeah. If you want a full acid trip in 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, consult your physician first. 
<laughs> so the next death was of Lee Bowers. Lee Bowers, the drag queen from Australia. <laughs> That's Lee Bowery, I'm uh, pretty sure. But I uh, wanted to be this guy. <laughs> you may remember Lee Bowers from part two, Lo Those Many Moons Ago, when he claimed to have seen four suspicious men standing on the grassy knoll and heard shots being fired from that location. Bowers died on August 1966 when his car left an empty road and struck a concrete bridge embankment. Oh, I mean, how would the CIA have anything to do with that, though? Well, apparently it's suspicious because it was a wide empty space and it just ran into a... Oh, I see. Yeah, just this giant concrete pillar <clears throat> in the middle of an empty space. Was the theory on that, though, that they had a remote-controlled car or that they ran him off the road and he was just... and then just left, or...? I mean, yeah, I don't know that they... <laughs> Doesn't seem like many things pointing to murder is what I'm like saying. Like, you could easily have killed him, put him in this car that you rammed into a... a oh, okay. Or maybe you taped him to the thing, put the... Gas pedal down. Yeah, the brick on the pedal and just... Man. You think they would find a better place than just like a random thing out in the middle of nowhere, you know? It like, was why convenient not? for them. They're okay. like, let's just ram them into that thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how can it be there? Yeah, I'm a, that's on my way home. My, <laughs> wife's, my wife's making pie tonight. I'm doing it there, okay, guys? <laughs> yeah, we know what pie is code for, Colin. <laughs> <laughs> so another suspicious death was of Joseph Miltier. Oh, Joseph Miltier. <laughs> Joseph Miltier. He's who, one in the crowd. Who was director of the Dixie Clan of Georgia. So, you know, a real fun guy to have around at the party. Uh, uh, the Mil Dixie Clan. The Dixie Clan. The Ku Klux Clan, if you uh, know. Yeah, of Dixie. Let's, <laughs> let's call it what it is, right? Dixie yeah. Cobb. I had heard recently that Dixie in that context was sort of like an offensive term. I think Dolly Parton even removed it from one of her songs or something, or maybe well, from the, Dollywood. The Dixie Chicks no longer are the Dixie Chicks that are okay. just the Chicks. I had heard that. Yeah. Because they don't want the association with Dixie. Yeah. Ron said that at one point. I did at one point. No, I didn't really realize that the Dixie Club was the Dixie Clan. Yeah. Yeah, it's Dixie Clam with a K. Have Dixie God. Cups changed their name? Well, are they still so. riding hard on the Dixie? I mean, there's lots of things that have Dixie in front of them. My favorite chili place in Cincinnati is Dixie Chili. Uh -huh. I know. I mean, I guess it just matters in what context, because I'm sure Dixie could refer to other things. Dixie might be the fucking river near where they founded Dixie Chili. We'll do some research. We'll let y'all know. Is <laughs> it racist? Mealtier was secretly recorded 13 days before the assassination, telling Miami police informant Will Somerset that the murder of Kennedy was in the working. This information was relayed to Secret Service members whom ignored it in preparations for the president's visit to Dallas. What'd he say? Nah, just ignore it. <laughs> <laughs> We're planning a parade here. <laughs> well, also, the CIA, if the CIA is behind it, they're not going to be like, oh, thanks for letting us know that 
<laughs> we already know that. And now we know you know it, so we're going to have to kill you. All right. Hey, sorry about it. <laughs> uh, Miltier died in 1974 when a heater exploded in his house. Boom. Oh. Right? Huh. What's, what's the probability of that? Like a, a one in two exploding. thousand... Two million heaters. It's probably exploding. not that small, but it's not that high either. I mean, there's lots of. It's possible for it to explode, right? Yes. <laughs> so I feel like, especially back in this day, the yeah. heaters are probably more like. Uh, I don't know. They're not straight like electric. It's a lot of gas. And... Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure they didn't have all the safety uh, valves in place. Right. I feel like that that came later on, where it was like if your thing had an issue, it could. Relief yeah. pressure. Too many people died in heater explosions. <laughs> that happened the last time we were at our last apartment. Remember when we were sitting in the backyard and it just started spraying water? Oh, yeah. Out of the back? Okay, anyway. Our, <laughs> our listeners definitely want to know about that. <laughs> <laughs> you're Ooh, welcome, you're the water heater is relief pressure. <laughs> uh, got an overflow valve. <laughs> I... Welcome back to another episode of Mundane Topics. We'll be talking about water heaters. And the invention of garbage cans. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, briefly talk about people who died. <laughs> so already mentioned before was David Ferry. Uh, I'll show right here. If you remember that face. Okay. In part three, he was uh, he was the one that was on trial. So and he was the one who was on trial. Yeah, he was the trial for the assassination of Jay. He was at the sidelines, and he was with a questionable character, right? No, David Ferry was in Louisiana planning this with Oswald. Oh, and I he see. was the one going to Dallas to build an ice skating rink. Okay, got it. Now I'm with so, you. He's the ice skating entrepreneur. Yes. Got it. <laughs> uh, he died less than a week before standing trial for the assassination of JFK. Surprisingly, his official cause of death is of natural causes, though two different suicide notes were found among his things written on the night of his death. Oh. Like, two <clears throat> contradictory suicide notes? Like, maybe one was a rough edit, maybe one was addressed to family and the other friends, who knows. Yeah, clearly Rob doesn't know this one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I didn't look at the suicide notes, but two different suicide notes were found among his things. I mean, that is strange. Why have two different notes? Maybe, like, he couldn't decide on which way he was going to go. Is he going to, like, asphyxiate yeah, <laughs> himself? Is he going to go take some pills? So he writes two. He might have written one, threw it in the garbage, and then wrote a second one, and they look through the garbage, they're like, oh, two different suicide notes. <laughs> who knows maybe he wrote one back in like you know when he was 20 years old and then he grew up a little bit and Talked wrote a second one somewhere. yeah still weird yeah Multiple well and notes. do we know what he said the reason was like just i'm depressed i don't want to go on or i just... mean it was less than a week before standing <clears throat> trial for the assassination so you know maybe he just didn't want to be found out and maybe he didn't want to do prison time but why not maybe admit it just be like i did it i don't want to go to prison so bye uh, then you'd also put your family and stuff through that kind of thing is you know his mother would have to know that he killed uh, kennedy his mm -hmm. friends his little sister i don't know but 
That's just him in a nutshell. That's him in a nutshell. Assuming he killed Kennedy. Assuming he was there. Well, he yeah. definitely, probably, maybe had a, a hand in it. <laughs> definitely, probably, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> just I'll, the go with, that... I'll always go with the definitely, probably, maybe. Can't argue with that. I mean, his ice skating rink idea is very suspect. Uh, <laughs> well, then there was William C. Sullivan. Billy C. Uh, he was an FBI official directing the agency's domestic intelligence operations from 1961 to 1971. What's his full name? William C. Sullivan. Oh. He... <laughs> I really wanted it to be like William D. <laughs> I can't even say it. William Billy C. D. Williams? Yes. <laughs> but just with a C. Billy C. Williams. Anyway. He looks Billy. like a Sully. I'm sure people just call him like Sully. Or... Sure. Yeah. Billy C. Sullivan. Yeah. <laughs> he was forced out of the FBI by J. Edgar Hoover. He uh, was working on an expose on J. Edgar Hoover at the time of his death. Oh. He told his biographer that someday he would read about his death in some kind of an accident, but not to believe it. It would be murder. And on November 9th, 1977, days before he was set to testify to the House Select Committee on Assassinations, Sullivan was walking through the woods near his retirement home to meet with hunting companions when another hunter, Robert Daniels Jr., son of state policeman, uh, son of a state policeman using a telescopic sight, mistook Sullivan for a deer and shot him in the neck, killing him instantly. This story sounds very familiar. Like, Dick within Cheney. our lifetime, yeah, this Dick also Cheney. happened. <laughs> but Dick Cheney didn't kill the guy. Well, he missed. He just wasn't good enough. And then they were like, oh... Whoops. Uh, <laughs> that's a whoops. That's an accident right there. I mean, hunting accidents do happen. Yeah. I mean, what was he like putting his hands up like antlers, like uh, prancing uh, around? Like, I'm so excited to go hunting, guys. <laughs> I think it was just like a really demoralizing day for the other guy. And he had like not gotten any kills and everybody else was getting like really good success. He was just so fed up. He was like, God, I'm going to shoot the next thing I see, no matter what it is. <laughs> Do you think he still took a picture with the body? Oh, oh I hope so. <laughs> oh, Do you is, think he weighed him? <laughs> that is dark. <laughs> I'm not the one who wants. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. So. so the last person I will talk about you got to sell a whole lot more Jimmy Jones to do that. <laughs> <laughs> is George D. Morenschild. That's a name. Yeah. Mornschild. Mornschild, whom was a petroleum geologist, professor, mm -hmm. and friend of Lee Harvey Oswald. Oh. George testified before the Warren Commission in 1964 and again to New Orleans DA Jim Garrison in 1967 and insisted that Oswald had been a scapegoat in the assassination. Oh, the plot thickens. I mean, of course, they're going to be like, whatever, you're just his friend. But I feel like, you know. Who's to say, right? Yeah. Like, to discount someone just because they were friendly with the person or were close to the person, I feel like sucks, you know? Yeah. Like, if sure. you know the answer and they're like, ma, you're his friend, though, so of course you're going to say that. Yeah, right? It's just like, ah. Which, I mean, there's credence to both directions that you go with it, right? Like, I would definitely 
even if he doesn't know, you know, he might just want to be on his friend's side and be like, he would never do that. Mm -hmm. You know, like, that's just crazy. That's true. And, like, sometimes friends don't even know, like, what the other guy's capable of. Like, parents don't even know. Like, people are very good at hiding parts of themselves. So it's like, I feel like often people are like, I had no idea. He seemed like such a nice person. Yeah, (laughs) I think that's most times. And I think that's in general because we want to see the good in people, Mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. We don't want to think that the person next door to us has bodies in their face. Yeah, he, he <laughs> never know? told me he was going to go on a murderous rampage. So, yeah, I, I mean, he was, he was an avid gun collector. <laughs> but he never told me he was going to kill a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> so, less than a year before his death, on September 17, 1976, he wrote George H.W. Bush, uh, whom was director of the CIA at Bush the time. Senior. <laughs> The two had known each other through a mutual acquaintance. You could see him getting some type of handshake from him. Yeah. In his letter, he complained due to the renewed investigation from the U.S. House Committee on Assassinations. He was being followed and that his phones had been bugged and and pleaded that he do something about it. Oh. And... George H.W. wrote him back, exclaiming that the CIA had nothing to do with this and suggested that it was newsmen following him around due to the renewed attention of the investigation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> on, on March 29, 1977, George gave an interview to author Edward J. Epstein. He told Epstein that in 1962, Dallas CIA operative J. Walton Moore and one of Moore's associates had handed him the address to Lee Harvey Oswald in nearby Fort Worth, Texas, and suggested that he should meet him. He claims that he never would have contacted Oswald if Moore hadn't sanctioned it. George was acting as more or less a babysitter monitoring the actions of Oswald leading up to the assassination. Later that afternoon, George George was given a business card from Gayton Fonzie. The Fonz? The Fonzie? I'm going to jump a shark. (laughs) A shark jumper. He was an investigator of the House Select Committees on Assassinations. He told him that he would like to see him calling him a crucial witness. Later that day, George was found dead from an apparent self-inflicted shotgun wound to the head. Oh, Dang, wow. a shotgun wound style. Strangely, sexual harassment settler Bill O'Reilly of Will All Do It Live fame <laughs> uh, claimed in his book Killing Kennedy that he had been knocking on George's front door when he heard the shotgun blast. Mm-hmm. But that was since been proven to be completely false claim, <laughs> <laughs> as are most of the things that Bill O'Reilly said. Gotcha, liar, yeah. through and through. Got it. <clears throat> <clears throat> Which is also, it's like, why did you find it so necessary to like inject yourself into the story? Yeah, inject yourself in the story, and then like use your clout or whatever to uh, instill the narrative that yes, he. He did kill himself. I was knocking on the door when he did it. Like, Yeah, I guess it just sounds grabby. 
yeah. you know, gets people interested in him. Right. And that's all he's about. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will say that there are several mafia figures that, uh, like, have all died convenient deaths and who are all In connected. In a convenient story, yes. yes. <laughs> connected to the Kennedy assassination. I'll just list a few Italian names here. Uh, <laughs> Sam Giancana, John Roselli, Carlos Prio, Jimmy Hoffa, Charles mm. Nicoletti, Leo... Oh, Nicoletti, I know that guy. <laughs> Mosteri. Nicoletti the Nickel, they called him. Yeah. <laughs> Richard Kane, Salvatore Granello. He never let anybody get away with owning him a nickel. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. He would place nickels on their eyes after. <laughs> That's right. Nicoletti the Nickel. <laughs> And Dave Yaris have all been linked to the Kennedy assassination, all of whom died untimely deaths. Mm-hmm. Linked in what way, though? Just like... Well, we know Jack Ruby had mafia connections, so yeah. I'm assuming most of these men we all know were those connections. Kennedy Sr. had mafia connections. <laughs> oh, yeah, I haven't sorry. heard that before. Yeah, that's like, uh, I guess they were um, involved in bootlegging and stuff. Was that why, oh, really? like, his brother was murdered, or Robert uh, Kennedy? Robert, yeah. Well, no, I just don't think anyone wanted to see him become president. I think really? somebody did not want him to become president, and that's why they killed him. I mean, him. they would just give it. You're not, oh, you're the brother of the president, so you no, might no, as well be No, he was running president. for president at the time. Doesn't mean he's going to win. Yeah, but he was in the league. Yeah, yeah. It was, it, it was, it was incredibly was, dynamic. At uh, the time, I think it was pretty clear that he would win. Yeah. Okay. But, I mean... Yeah. That's a whole nother that's a whole nother banana to peel. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a lot is if we get into Robert, that's a whole nother probably multi part episode, I would think. Mm. Well, you guys just wait. <laughs> uh, oh god. I'm gonna do Robert Kennedy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I call dibs right now. All right, I'll take Junior. <laughs> is that all you have for today? That's all I have in terms of the other assassinations. Uh, today I'm doing the Patreon. I'm doing a new series that I'm pretty excited about. Ooh. It's Collins Culture Shock. Nice. Uh, so check it out. Our Patreon is pay what you want right now. You can sign up for whatever you want. So go check it out. We've got great episodes. We're laying them down once a week, just like our regular episodes. And uh, yeah. And if you're dealing with indecision, you're like, oh, man, the choices of how much money I can spend, you know, $5 is like a good, it's not crazy. It's not, I feel like I've seen other Patreon people and that's like a going price. Yeah, we have $1 subscribers. We have $5 subscribers. We have $100 subscribers. But right now we want you to pick your own price. So take advantage. You do you. (laughs) We'll appreciate it either way. Uh, Bigfoot story? (laughs) The four of you continue. Wait, real quick. Yes. I just want to say no. that it's worth noting that it is very suspect that all the people who have ties around this, you know, assassination have had deaths very yeah. close to whether or not they were going to testify or whether or not, you know. Yeah, so nobody died surrounded by family at a ripe old age. Right. <laughs> so it definitely bears worth mentioning and like there's other famous deaths where everyone involved hasn't mysteriously died so sure but at the same token you know we're talking about we mentioned what like 10 people today if you add the mobsters another 10 20 
You know, I think you said there are like some kind of like 50 mysterious deaths. That's what Richard Belzer says. And well, we all know he's the greatest detective slash actor. It's, I won't dispute that. Uh, <laughs> the comedian thing gives me a little pause. I didn't know he did comedy, well, but I'll check. We'll, we'll gonna, watch it. We'll uh, watch a YouTube episode. I will absolutely check it out. We will validate his comedy status. Um, the only thing I'll say to that is how many people did live out long lives who were connected to this in some way. Because there have to be thousands of people who were working at the CIA at the time who didn't die mysteriously. And lots of other people who have suspect things that surround the Kennedy mm -hmm. assassination that lived perfectly healthy, normal lives and didn't die of mysterious circumstances. Right, the people who just kept their mouth shut. <laughs> Maybe. Knew to keep their head down, <laughs> not to poke the, the snake. Yeah, who's to say? Hmm? That's what this podcast tends to poke the bear about, right? <laughs> Get you thinking. <laughs> so the four of you continue walking, following the sunrise, leaving a trail of roaches in your wake. Well, yeah. I don't know about littering here. <laughs> yeah. We leave only footprints, Rob. That's right. Pack hey. out what you pack in, people. You, know, well, you we... guys are the ones thinking that these are you in the story. I mean, <laughs> I, now I don't like these people. Right? <laughs> now I would have a word with these guys. Yeah, I'd say that is not responsible hiking, sir. <laughs> it's not how you enjoy nature. <laughs> you look behind at the path you are carving and see a small goblin-like creature following you. <gasps> is he picking up the roaches? <laughs> <laughs> is he? You tell you tell the group, one of whom tells you that he is what is called. A scavenger smoker taking the ass end of roaches nice. you have left behind. Thank Rob you. can relate. He's like, ass ends are good. <laughs> Thank you for your gifts, boys. <laughs> to him, these roaches are precious. Oh. My precious. <laughs> oh, I see. He's he is harmless as long as you feed him his need to mooch. <laughs> I mean, if all he's taken are the roaches, that's fine. Yeah. yeah. That's all for this episode of High Mystery. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Robert. I'm Colin. I'm Tristan. Sunday, Monday, happy days. Tuesday, Wednesday, happy days. Thursday, Friday, happy days. New episodes every Monday. Want more High Mystery? Check out our Patreon page, patreon.com backslash highmystery for exclusive episodes every Friday. Merchandise can be found at our website at highmystery.com. Stay up to date by following us on Facebook and Instagram at highmystery for fan art, news, and upcoming events. Thanks for listening.